What's the theme? Say it with me. Jesus changes everything, right? Um, I hope that you're beginning to understand. Hopefully yesterday helped you to understand who you are in that equation and how exactly he can change everything that you are. Um, and so we talked about Jesus changing your identity, but there's a new theme for today. I think I put it on your, your booklet there. Jesus changes your expectations. Who can tell me what an expectation is? Not all at once. An idea of what's going to happen. Perfect definition there, Paige. Uh, an idea of what's going to happen. This is what you think, what you expect to happen. Um, let's say, I mean, y'all remember how we promoted this camp, right? We said, guys, there's this awesome place up in Kentucky, and they got paintball, and they've got a big lodge, and they've got tree houses, and we're going to do all these games, and, they've been, and it's going to be great. You should come. Now, what, what would happen if we got here... And it was a one-room shack with a dirt floor. I would seriously cry. Outhouses, right? Oh, Instead of the lake and the blob, it was just like a, a uh, stagnant pool of, you know, a mud puddle with mosquitoes on it. And I was like, look, there's your, there's your lake. There's your waterfront. What's wrong, guys? What's wrong? Was that not what you were expecting, right? Our expectations can cause disappointment, can cause frustration. You'd be very frustrated. You would probably have strung the, the youth leaders on top of the van and, uh, and rode back to North Carolina promptly if that was what was going to happen here. And by the way, you'd have been justified. Maybe not the strapping us to the top of the, the, the vehicles, but you'd have been justified in your disappointment because your expectations were not met. But there's a lot of other things in our life that we have expectations for and we can get ourselves in trouble with that, right? Because we expect something and when it doesn't work out the way we think it should, we get frustrated, we get depressed, we get uh, angry, we get put out and we, we, we start to uh, take the situation that we have and we we say, well, this is not what I wanted, so I'm not engaging with it, right? I had to learn that this month, right? I took that sabbatical I told y'all about where I wasn't, I wasn't preaching. And I, by the way, the, the idea of a sabbatical, I expected to sleep for 10, 12 hours a night and to wake up in the morning with the birds singing, you know, and I get up and I, I commune with the Lord over my cup of coffee and, my, and then I, I get up and my children are like, good morning, Father. We're so glad you're here. Here's your breakfast, right? Here's your biscuits and gravy. And, <laughs> and, and, and that I would sit at, and I would be able to sit out on the, on the porch or down by my pond and just, just spend time with God and it was going to be glorious. And I would catch up with old friends and, and everything was, I expected a lot. In fact, I, in order to help me understand that I was journaling, which I don't do often enough, but I, I started writing down what my thoughts were and what my hopes were for this whole month where I was not preaching and I was not, you know, being a pastor 24 seven. And I looked back on the last day and went, well, not a lot of that happened, right? I forgot that, you know, so what happens when you have two kids in a year and a half, like you, you, you've got stuff to do. I had responsibilities. Jenna, my wife still had to work. So I still had to do other things. And my, that first week I was really frustrated. I was like, I'm not getting the rest and the relaxation that I wanted. No one's made me a sandwich and a, and a, you know, and, and, and brought it to me and fed me grapes and stuff like what is going on here? Why is this not working out? My expectations led me to 
have a, a, a bad way of approaching what God had given me. And so God said, listen, you need to adjust your expectations, boy. I don't know if God talks to you like that, but that's, that's the, 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 the mentality I had was, oh man, I've got to adjust my expectations um, because following Jesus changes your expectations. And so we're going to talk about two different things today. We're talking about one this morning and one this evening that you're going to have to surrender. And I'm going to say this with a positive attitude. You're going to go, why are you talking about these things with such a happy cadence? This sounds terrible. And, but I assure you, if you'll stick with me, if you'll understand these verses, you're going to be excited about changing your expectations. So we're going to talk about today in, uh, in Philippians chapter two, if you've, uh, oh, look at y'all on the ball, already getting to that Philippians chapter two, uh, we're going to just read a couple verses in Philippians two. Uh, we're going to talk about surrendering your preferences. What's a preference? Trying not to use the word. You can. Something, something that you prefer. More prefer. It's in the word there, right? I prefer, right, to have coffee in the morning. Is a preference mandatory? Right? Is it? No? Right? You can have a preference all day long. Doesn't mean you get it. But we have this, we have this mentality in the world around us, the people in your life, and you're going to be drawn into it where your preferences are going to be elevated to have tos, right? You're going to think in your mind, if you don't get whatever you want, again, something's wrong. That's why there's so many doggone churches. We even do this in the church, right? Somebody comes in, I've heard people say, well, I don't know. I, you guys, my preference is that you do church this way. And they live right around the corner. They had a preference that they know is not biblically right and wrong, but they said, this is my preference. And I guess I could go to church with y'all, but I want to go and find a church where my preference is. Now, thankfully, there's other churches that maybe they can worship. And, but there's got to be a point where you say, yes, I would prefer, you know, a polka band up there instead of Stephen and Jake. Obviously, right? Y'all would want a polka band up there with the Jake. Why don't you play the accordion? Get all right. I'll get that on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start learning that. Um, but guess what? But I've, I tell tell that to church people all the time about music. Well, I don't like that song. Well, good thing we weren't singing it to you, right? Your preferences don't. We were singing that to God, so your preferences don't really matter. And as a believer. Part of the part of the gig is surrendering your preferences, but you're going to be happy about it because the big idea is this sacrifice is the cheat code to happiness. Sacrifice. I know it seems cattywampus. I know it seems exactly the opposite of what you think and what we've been told. But sacrifice is the cheat code to happiness. Y'all ever heard the phrase, the upside down kingdom? You ever heard, some of you may, some of you not. This is a term that people use to refer to the kingdom of God, which I'm glad, Jake, we didn't plan that, but that your, build your kingdom here was a wonderful song to sing before this message. The Holy Spirit knew that we needed to hear that because uh, we're only talking today a little bit about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is where his rule and reign, as the, as the lyric said, are, are set up. And in God's kingdom, in, in the kingdom of Jesus, uh, the up is down. 
things that you would think would bring you success and happiness in the world. It's actually quite the, the opposite. Uh, he says the first will be last. You ever heard that verse? Jesus says, in my kingdom, the first shall be the last. In my kingdom, um, that the, the, uh, the greatest among you will be your, anybody remember that one? Servant. Servants. The greatest among you will be your servants. Kind of backwards. The meek shall inherit the earth. So the meek will be powerful instead of, you know, a bad Oscar up there, you know, running the show. It's no, the meek are going to do that. The meek are going to get the power in order. Hey, what do you got to do to gain your life? Give it up. He says, those who will gain, those who give up their lives for me will gain it. It's backwards. Doesn't really make sense. And so it's in that same way of thinking that, that if you want to be happy, you, there, there's a part of you, it's called your flesh. It's called your natural man or your natural woman, right? That natural thinking of the world around you and what you've been brought up in that you go, if I don't get my way, I'm not happy. Again, I, I hate to always take it back to my kids, but there's such good sermon illustrations. But it, Emma can tell you that when Noah, my six-year-old, does not get his way, he is not happy. When he doesn't get to watch the TV show he gets to watch, when Emma doesn't want to play Lego Ninjago for the 10,000th time with him, she's like, no, I'm good. He is not happy because he's not getting his way. He's not getting his preference. You, please, because it lets Emma off the hook a little bit. Because, yeah, okay, good deal. That's, you're like, I love that game, right? Um, but let's read what Philippians 2 has to say about this. It says this, don't be selfish. Hmm? It says Philippians 3, 3, 8. It's 2. It's 2, sorry, 2. It's Philippians 2, go backwards. Yeah, Philippians 2. I made the slides this morning when I realized, oh, I didn't make my slides. <laughs> Philippians 2. 3 through 8 says this, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out for only your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. What's divine mean? Godly. Divine is, oh, these privileges that he got from on high because he was God. He said he gave up his divine privileges. He took a humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. This is the attitude. This is the lifestyle. These are the decisions that Jesus made. And us being Christians, I hear y'all all the time say, there are people over my whole youth group career that say, I want to be like Jesus. I want to live like Jesus. You want to live like Jesus? There you go. Give up your preference for the good of other people. Um, sometimes, back, back before they coined the term Christian, um, they, they were called followers of the way, right? Because Jesus would say, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? And it, before the Mandalorian made that cool again, this is the way, right? Uh, he would say, they would call themselves followers of the way. The thing about following the way is you don't always get your way. And, and there is this, 
This idea that some well-meaning churches and Christians, uh, maybe not for you, hopefully we don't do that at FFC. Um, in fact, I kind of pushed the opposite direction pretty hard, but there are some churches that say, if you'll just give your heart to Jesus, everything will be puppy dogs and rainbows. Everything will be happy. They don't say it in that terms. I'm, I'm riffing a little bit, but the, they, because if they did pop, uh, promise puppy dogs and rainbows, and you didn't get it, I'd be very upset because those are great things, right? Um, but the, there's, the idea is if I just go to church, then I won't have any more struggles. If I just say I'm team Jesus, I won't ever get angry. I, I will get the, the, the job I want when I grow up. I'll have the friends that I want to have. And we think, all right, Jesus equals worldly success. Jesus equals I get my preferences. But the thing about following Jesus is your preferences become his preferences. That's what it means to lay down your life, right? Jesus, when Jesus says, come follow me, he's not, yes, he may ask you to actually give your life. There are plenty of inspiring stories of Christians who give their lives for Jesus. But he may never say, all right, die for me. But he will say, die to your preferences, die to your opinions, die to your dreams. Right? I heard a pastor one time say, Jesus wants you to follow your dreams. I was like, Pfft. Jesus, unless he gives you that dream. And we like to go, well, Jesus, if I dream it and I want it, that must be what I, what I have to go, right? Well, I wouldn't want it if, Je if Jesus didn't want me to want it. No, that's not how that works. Right. In fact, sometimes Jesus will give you a desire just to see if you will give it up. I've got lots of great ideas. I had lots of big ideas for what I was going to be, what I was going to do. And he's like, that's all well and good, but I want you over here. What are you going to do? We have the free will to choose. And so we have to give up our preferences. And that's not just in the grand scheme of things. This is also little stuff too. Let me ask you this. And, and, and y'all can nod or raise your hand and, and, and no one's, I'm not going to roast you. I'm, this is not a trick question or a bait and switch or anything, but who thinks they're loving? Who tries to be loving? Who, who thinks, all right, I'm a pretty loving person. I love my friends. I love my, yes, yes. You're scared. You're like, I don't want to raise my hand because I think he's going to make me look dumb. <laughs> no, well, no, no, no. Again, I, I, I'm not going to, I'm not going to gotcha. Okay. I'm not going to do a gotcha, but I hope that you're at least trying to be loving. It's kind of the main thing we do, right? Like, uh, write down Romans 13, nine through 10, Romans 13, nine through 10 says all of God's laws, everything that God tells us to do are summed up in this one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to others. So love fulfills the requirements of God's law. Everything that we do, every reason, the motivation that God has given, uh, that, that God has for all the rules and laws that he's given is love. So if you are loving, if you're struggling being obedient to your parents, you need to pray that you will love your parents better. God, give me a love for my parents. Give me a love for my teacher. Give me a love for my friends. If you're struggling in an area, especially an interpersonal area, you may want to pray for love because if you get that right, the rest kind of works itself out well. But let me tell you something else about love. Y'all ever been to a wedding and heard them quote 1 Corinthians 13, right? That's called the love chapter. If you ever want to read it, it goes into detail about what, the, about what uh, love is. It describes love. And in 1 Corinthians 13, 5, it says this interesting thing. Love does not demand its own way. 
every time you are demanding, every time you are spoiled, every time you are rude because you don't get your way, you are showing a lack of love. That's at the root of it. It's not just that you're, that people are rude and selfish and, and mean. It's they don't love like they should because love doesn't demand its own way. The most loving thing, I, I've told Emma and Addie this both when they're dealing back to their little brother. I was like, look, you could sit there and argue till your face is blue about getting your way. Technically, he's watched a show. You should get to watch a show. But you know what you could do? You could not demand your own way and let your little brother watch what he wants to watch and you get over it. You could do that. They don't always, but you could. But, and I, I know you're going, well, that's, it's just, it's just TV. It's just kids. It's just sibling stuff. All the worst things that have ever happened in our world have come from this idea. Um, this, this, there's at least a shade of, I want my way. Y'all ever studied World War II? Nazis, Holocaust, thousands of people dying brutal deaths. Why is that? Because a certain group of people wanted their way and they were going to do whatever they it took to get that way. You're going, well, that's, that's a, an extreme example. That's the end of the road that you take, right? 9-11, a little more closer to, to our hearts, right? Some, I know some of y'all weren't born yet, but I can remember seeing 9-11 go down. I was in high school. We watched it on TV and it was terrible. And it was because another group of people said, I, we want things this way. And that, that country over there is not doing it our way. So we're going to do whatever it takes to get our preference. We violated their preference. So they thought that they, they should kill thousands of people assassinations of presidents, uh, even down to relationships. You know, Jake talked about divorce. If your parents got divorced, most divorces happen because one person wasn't getting their way. And they said, instead of being loving, I'm going to, instead of, of sacrificing my own preference, I'm going to get what I want to get. And it, it's just, it leaves a trail of misery. And I don't want that for y'all. Jesus calls us, bless you, to something better. So I wonder what, I want you to, for a second here, think about what would, if, if there was one thing that you lost in your life, that was, there's one thing you didn't have that would seriously mess you up, that was a preference that was not met, that would really make you angry, would really make you struggle. Bless you. What is that? I mean, you don't have to tell me, just think. What is that one thing in your life that if it did not, if you did not have that, if you lost that, if God happened to take that away from you, you would be all out of sorts. You would lose your joy and your peace. You would lose your purpose. You see, when you surrender your preferences and you stop expecting everybody to do everything your way, this sets you free to actually love like Jesus. Because that is what Jesus did, as we've already seen. But I want you to write down this truth. Even Jesus didn't get his own way all the time. Even Jesus, the guy who walks on water, who John chapter 1 says he was there at the beginning, that all things were created in him and through him and for him, that guy didn't always get his way. Emma kind of alluded to that last night. That's what we were talking about. Um, how there was a moment where Jesus was going, all right, God, all right, Father, are you sure about this? 
We hear about it on Easter week when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and he was praying and he was agonizing. He knew that Jesus knew he was about to die a brutal death. He was, and he says this in Matthew 13, I mean, not Matthew, Matthew 26. He says, he went a little farther and he bowed with his face on the ground, praying, my father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. He's like, pretty please. Is there any way I can get out of this? But then he followed with what? Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Even to the point of death, Jesus gave up his preferences. Again, Jesus was fully human. So we, all human beings want creature comforts, don't we? We want a, a nice home. We want, uh, you know, to, to have a safety net of things and a routine. And the Bible says that Jesus regularly didn't have a place to lay his head. He was, he was roving. They, they weren't sure where the next meal was going to come from. They probably didn't eat as well as they could have sitting at home with Mother Mary, making him, a, making him something to eat, right? He gave up his preferences, even to the point of death. That's the attitude that we should have. There's nothing wrong with you wanting the things you want, to desire the things that you want. But we always have to keep our preferences in the right priority. We have to put our preferences below the preference of God. So you can say, all right, if, Lord, if it's possible, take this away from me. Or Lord, if it's possible, I'd like to have this. But your will be done, not mine. That's one of the most Jesus-y things you can do. You want to act like Jesus, then you can and, and, and love like Jesus and, and live in joy and comfort and, and peace. It's not from having all the things that you want. And again, I really think that we, we would never admit this, but the way we live our lives, when you, you, you will see your peers grow up and, and go out in the workforce and go out into the world and their main focus and their main goal is, I want to accomplish my dreams. I want to do the things I want to do. I, and everybody goes, well, that's great. But it's over-prioritized. It's... It's set above God's will. So you want to act like Jesus. You want to mirror him. You got to give up your own way. You have to just expect that you may not get everything that you want. And funny enough, here's the crazy thing. When you do that, when you accept it, it's kind of like this holy catch 22. Then your desire changes and you actually end up getting your way. Because if Jesus says, if, if we give up our, our, our preferences to Jesus, he is going to give us himself. I want to wrap up today with Matthew 13, 44 through 46. Gives us a good idea of how when we change our preferences, we actually get what we want. Again, that's why I called it a cheat code. It's not a, it's not a dishonest thing. But when you ask God to change your desires, then he actually does give you what he want, what you want. Because now you're, what you want is what he wants. It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered in a, hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. And he gives another example. He says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Anyway, everything that you own. 
I don't want that, I don't want that, I don't want that. This is better. And this is exactly what happens when we let Jesus change our preferences. When we change our preferences, then the, the good and perfect gifts that he gives us, mainly his relationship with us, his closeness with us, but also all the other things that he sees fit to give us, always are enough for us. If you will allow him to change your heart and change your preference and stop demanding that God give you the cer a certain thing and say, Lord, I'm going to be content with what, we, what you've given me. One of my life verses is Matthew 6, 33. It says, seek the kingdom of God. I'm glad we established what that was. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. You don't have to worry about not having the relationships you need to have, the physical and material things that you think you need to have. If you seek the kingdom of God, which means you're doing what he wants you to do, you just want his, God to build his kingdom here for his, his rule and reign to be around us, for us to treat each other like Jesus tells us to treat each other, for God's laws and commands to be held in high esteem where they belong. That's what the kingdom of God is. Talk about Jesus changing everything. Then that's all you have to do. Seek the kingdom of God. I know that's a lot more uh, difficult than it sounds sometimes, but seek the kingdom of God above all else because the world is going to go to war over this stuff. The world is going to kill themselves with stress and ambition and they scrap for approval and meaning and, and belonging their whole lives and they're trying to figure this out and God is just offering it to you right here. He's saying, if you will just change your preference, if you will seek my kingdom first, it's, it's so simple. I'm not saying it's easy because again, our, we're broken. We established that last night. We're broken. So there's going to be a desire in there for you to have all those things. And you're going to have to say, but I, that, I need to keep them in their place. And I need to seek the kingdom of God first. I need to do, if he wants it for me, I want it for me. If he does not want it for me, I don't want it for me. Whether that be a friendship, whether that be a relationship, a marriage, whether that be a job, whether that be getting into the college that you want to go. If that means, you name it. If he wants it for you, you should want it. If he doesn't, you shouldn't. So when Jesus comes and takes over, you don't expect to get your way. You surrender your preferences. You lay down your life and your future and say, God, it's in your hands. And then he gives you something even better. But that's the key. And that's, that's where I think I'm excited to know this because what Jesus promises us is better. The, the, one of the psalmists, King David, is like, if I could just hang out with you in your house all day. That's all he wanted. So I don't need all this other stuff. I just need to be with you. God will always give you that. God will always, if you seek him, let him mold your preferences. Let him, instead of going, I want this, maybe you wake up in the morning and you say, Lord, what do you want for me today? What do, you want, what do you want me to do today? What do you want me to want today? What do you want me to pursue with my life? And we're going to talk more this week about how you can, how you can talk with God, how, um, how you can hear. Because I know some of you look, give me weird looks when I say, well, God told me. And you're like, God told you? 
There's a way that God can speak to you in the same way. Because guess what? God knows you better than anyone else, so he knows how to speak to you. And if you will ask, he will show you his preference if you're willing to give up yours. But it's, Jake, Jake said it, it's a choice. You choose it. And you allow him to change that in your life. All right? Let's pray, and then we'll go to our small groups and talk about this some more. Lord, I thank you for not giving me what I want sometimes. I've come to understand that what I want is not always what's best for me. I'm not the center of the universe. You are. So God, I pray that we would continue to surrender our preferences, surrender our dreams and our desires, that we would lay down all of that, that we would lay down our life for you so that you can give us true life, so that you can show us something so much better. Oh God, help us to trust that. We know that in our head, but we don't always feel it in our hearts. I can see it in some of their eyes that they don't quite believe me when I say that what you've got is so much better. I can't convince anyone of that. May your Holy Spirit convince us. May your Holy Spirit show us that following your way is so much better than trying to follow our own. Lord, help us to open up and talk about this. Help us to have some good conversation. Uh, help us to sharpen each other in our small groups now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.